0: Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus Decanton. Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Thank you guys for joining in here again with us this week. Episode 68, just keep trucking along. Um, Colin, we've had a lot of requests this past week for something that we're going to have to start making a regular segment on this show. I think by now you probably know what I'm referring to. I do. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of comments from last week about Colin's cooking, guys. How he said that it was his night to cook and he cooked basically two instant meals mixed into one. He cooked boxed mac and cheese and then a pre made uh a pot pie. That got that got a lot of questions, a lot of comments. Um the entire spectrum. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the, the pot pie wasn't a Marie calendars one. Um I, I do live in the heart of Amish country, Pennsylvania, and we got one from a, a local store from a local Amish person. It was like it wasn't frozen. It was pre-made, but you had to put it in the oven to heat it. So, you know, a lot of effort and very labor intensive on my end. You know, I don't want you to think this is just <laughs> on some, somebody's end. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you a to think this is just a Marie Calendar thing. So
0: uh, okay, so Colin, the people are going to be dying to know, and I'm actually very curious as well. I I, I don't have any information before this. Did you cook tonight?
1: Um, I did. You will be slightly disappointed. <laughs> Mac and cheese in a pot pie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it what was. Uh, it was a barbecue chicken. Uh, I mean, it's barbecue chicken. Um, like, you know, with uh, it was it was rubbed with the barbecue. There was a uh, pork loin. Um, stuffed with spinach and Gouda cheese. Uh, There were Parmesan-crusted potato wedges uh, and a (laughs) lovely vegetable spring medley. Um, They were leftovers from our tasting on Sunday at a wedding tasting I
0: guess I don't even <laughs> think you eat half of those things
1: <laughs> as you got the garden medley I was like you don't even eat that there's no way you cook that no I was uh it was leftovers from our wedding tasting that we went to yesterday uh but I heated it up in the oven
0: wow so. that's
1: really good okay mm-hmm. so
0: you didn't use a microwave so we nope we're got one right. step away from you know barbarianism here yeah.
1: at least the food was way too good to put in the microwave like i mean it wasn't it was still very very good but Mm -hmm. when i had it yesterday it was some of the best food i've ever had in my entire life uh it we we booked this caterer and some and and somehow after a day in your hands
0: it went from the best food you've had in your life to okay yes Mm -hmm. okay awesome very nice so and you took the easy way out this was your only night to cook
1: this week no i cook mondays and thursdays okay um because those are those are becca's late days so she doesn't get home until about seven on those two days but trade off she gets a she's a half day every friday so Hmm. but that means i cook mondays thursdays okay all right
0: well i want to check back in with you later in the week on your uh on on the
1: other meal that you uh We'll be creating uh, without the crutch that is leftovers. Yeah, I don't have, uh, I don't know exactly what it's going to be yet. You know, I'm more of a spontaneous, uh, the menu changes every every day, every week kind of a guy. That's okay. the type of chef that I am.
0: We might have to get a little stinger that just plays when it's your, and like we talk about <laughs> cooking, we get like the Swedish chef. Like, ding, 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 and you can just tell us what you were cooking that day. I, you know, I think I'm going to look into this and see what I can, what I can get. <laughs> Oh, too good. Swedish Chef's my favorite. Okay, Colin. I think we can talk about some football here now. Okay. Um, Let's hop right in. This podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, the Dynasty Happy Hour, the Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, the Smoke Show, Triple Play Fantasy Podcast, and the Fantasy Points Podcast itself. You can follow all of these uh, on one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live or you can check out uh, the weekly Friday drop that recaps the week in the Fantasy Points media group. And I will add there are two new shows uh, soon debuting with the group um, and I'm going to apologize because I do not have either <laughs> either of
1: those names right on front of me because I'm, uh, I'm a jerk. Um, but they're not debuting yet, so we'll have them later this week. Yes.
0: Um, one is, I know, a PGA show. And then the other is kind of a, as far as I can tell, a fantasy podcast that's kind of uh, Spanglish type um, uh, presentation. So both supposed to be really, really good. I'm looking forward to listening uh, to both of those. How is
1: Sandler doing it? Or?
0: Oh, that would be, um, well, I don't know in this day and age if he can do it anymore. So the the one's <laughs> called FFB Familia. Um, uh, that, that, that is kind of like the Spanglish-ish. One and then the other one, I think it's called the Preferred Lines podcast. Mm. Uh, that sounds right to me. I don't know, so go check all those out. Regardless, uh, lots of good stuff going on over there if, you're, if golf is your thing, because you will not find any of that information here. I not from I'm us. not
1: sixty five yet, so I don't go from golf us. On TV. But uh, Hannah at the site uh, did have some fantastic golf references in the uh, Daily Draft Report episode that she did with Dwight um and she she drops some golf knowledge every now and then in the in the slack chat not that i know what's going on like ever but yeah yeah okay go to Uh, her for your golf takes yes yes certainly don't come to either of us (laughs) um
0: so colin we've got a bunch of spring games kicking off this week um and unfortunately all of them are basically one day in (laughs) so we don't have a lot of news from them yet unfortunately next week's going to be the week where we really start having the news pouring in. We'll probably spend a good portion of the episode just kind of digging into any sort of camp notes that we can get our hands on. Um, if you guys are looking for information just uh, on all, you know, what what these dates are, when every basically every single FBS team uh, kicks off spring game and when their practice and when their game is, go ahead guys and check out Burning the Red Shirt. They are a, a very new podcast uh, sort of within the last month or two or something like that. Uh, some really great co-hosts, uh, Zach Toe, Andrew Katz, and Chris Kay, um, guys that have kind of been around uh, in the college football, uh, DFS, CFF, whatever else you want to say, space. Um, and, uh, yeah, highly recommend it. But they have this really cool spreadsheet that's on their Twitter account. You can find it there very, very easily if you just uh, go on to or search for Burning the Red Shirt on there. Um, and it has basically every single spring practice. We're not going to go through and name every single one. Some notables that have kicked off here within the last couple of days. Cincinnati, uh, Houston, SMU, uh, Tulsa, if you if you consider them, you know, uh, important. <laughs> Clemson, Pitt, Louisville, the UNC, um, Michigan, I believe has as well. So then there's a bunch more in the next couple of days here, Kansas State, Iowa State, Rutgers. Um, so basically by the, like the 22nd, I think, is basically the last date, 22nd, 29th, that all these will be kicking off. So within the next couple of days, uh, Clemson kicked off the first. So we do have some tidbits from Clemson. I thought we'd share those with you guys tonight before uh, we talk about a recent mock draft that both of us took part in, because um, this is kind of the year to, to really start working our way through those. So, Colin, for Clemson this week, just some news, injury news, and then kind of the quarterback battle are, are two of kind of the big things there that we're looking for. Uh, right now, they're saying DJU has lost about 15 to 20 pounds. He's down to about 240. Uh, he's trying to get down even further than that. Apparently, he played at 260 last year. Do you have any reaction to that? There's, that's a big boy. Yeah,
1: that is that is a large quarterback. Um, maybe explain some of the you know, uh, he he really struggled managing the pocket and kind of maneuvering last year. And, you know, maybe that kind of s- explains a little bit of that. The added, you know, 20 pounds almost. So I'll be interested to see how that, you know, the, the weight loss affects him here. I think it's obviously better for him to be under 250 than over 250, even at a size, even at his size, what's 6'4", I think. Um, he's, just, I think he might even be bigger than
0: that. I mean, he's, he's enormous.
1: Yeah. He, he's just a, a large human being. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think that it is better for him to be lower weight like that. So I'll be interested to see how that affects his, his pocket management.
0: Yeah, he, he definitely struggled. And obviously some of it was in the knee injury and I wonder if he struggled to maintain weight. After that injury happened, I don't really know. Um, but they did say, obviously, he's running with the ones. Not, not a surprise there. Uh, Klubnik right now is with the third team. Uh, but they have said, uh, according to a couple reports I've read, that there are whispers around the program that Klubnik could push DJ Galele this season for the starting job. Uh, if DJ plays poorly again and Klubnik comes along as expected. But they have noted that that uh, Klubnik is small. is 6'2", 185. So, you know, he he might need to bulk up a little bit so that that could be a little bit of a damper on our predicted, you know, club Nick takes over midseason, uh, depending on how much he he bulks
1: over the summer. Yeah, I think that's definitely something to be to monitor. You know, that's something that I was a little bit worried about is he does look very he does look a little slighter frame. Um, but, you know, I think um, Sam Heward last year, I think he was about 185, 190. Uh, Word on the street is he's checking in, you know, right around or a little over 200 pounds. So that type of a gain, uh, you know, definitely not unprecedented at all. So I think he could, you know, up improve that a little bit by the time he hits the season. If he still is around that 185 mark, you know, maybe I'm concerned a little bit about his ability to take that job this year. Uh, But either way, it's good to hear that he's at least expected to push him you know uh,
0: yeah i can't play this game again i did it with jaden daniels for the last two years three years um my, my little heart can't take it yeah so agreed um not that i was in love with club nick anyway um i, I have been convinced otherwise since but um the, the weight will be something to monitor there for sure um let's let's go to the wide receiver room as well colin um there are there are it might be an injury impacting this. EJ Williams isn't isn't playing at all this spring, and we'll we'll talk about just some of the guys they have out here in a minute. But right now, it looks like, uh, according to multiple reports, uh, specifically uh, this one came from the Athletic, that the starting wide receiver rules right now today have been Bo Collins and Joe Nagata on the outside, Brandon Spector in the slots, and then Jake Brenningstool at tight end. Uh, Brenningstool also probably getting that job a little bit by default um because the starting tight end uh is out uh, for the spring as well and i'm blanking on his name davis yeah um,
1: um i don't remember it's not braden galloway anymore no it's not galloway i don't even think galloway's with the team anymore no yeah i can't any, remember exactly any thoughts is. there i mean ingata and and collins yeah i mean collins is obviously the one who came on at the end of the year last year he looked good down the stretch um for what it is worth he does have rapport already with dju they went to the same high school um so i think that helped a little bit that helped him get on the field a little earlier last year but he really took he seized that opportunity you know he looked good with those reps he's one of the few wide receivers on that team that looked good so it's not a surprise to see him starting on the outside joseph Ngata is a guy that we've all been hoping will have reached his ceiling for the past couple of years hasn't done it but he's a veteran in the room not a surprise that he's earning those first team reps right out the gate as well especially with frank gladson off to miami mm-hmm. and ej williams on the shelf right now uh, the slot is interesting you know brandon specter i think that's the guy that chris moxley's really been talking up as is the one yeah that chris
0: eats. loves him as the next um hunter renfro yes or, yeah yes. Uh, hunter renfro who was also at clemson yeah a billion years
1: yeah yeah so he you know chris moxley's been talking him up um i was interested in troy stiletto uh but or Stilato. Who, who they said looks
0: a lot bigger mm-hmm. like noticeably bigger to the point where maybe he's auditioning more for a boundary role as opposed to the slot where we thought he might end up because he was just kind of shiftier and a little smaller than what the other guys they had on the boundary
1: yeah and i don't necessarily know if that's the right move for him to be honest you know i think the slot right now presents a lot less competition than Mm -hmm. it does on the outside but maybe just bulking up a little bit he's trying to get that position versatility which i don't think that's a bad move but if he's angling for an outside position i you know maybe not the best of ideas there um But tight end, Jake Burningstool, he was, was he the tight end one last year? I believe so, yeah. yeah. He's he's just so small, though. Like, I can't picture him getting any sort of
0: consistent role that isn't just kind of as as a move guy. Clemson doesn't really use that guy.
1: No, no, they they really don't. Um, They really don't feature the tight end that much in the offense. Um, There was one tight end that went to, I think it was the Jets but that was like five years ago. And that's the last like notable tight end that the, that Clemson's had, you know, so they don't really use the tight end very much at all. So I'm not really that interested in Jake Burningstool, to be honest. Um, yeah. I think
0: it's Jordan Leggett, by the way, is the yes. guy you're thinking of. Yes. That and, is what I was. Thinking yeah. And Davis Allen is the kid that's out right now. Okay. Just to circle back on that. Yes. Uh, so so Burningstool's in there by default.
1: Yes. Leggett was the one I was thinking of, but yeah, I, I think that, He's not going to really present much CFF value given that ten- Clemson doesn't really use the tight end. Like you mentioned, he's small, uh, probably not going to be able to play in line at the next level as well. So I don't really even love his Debbie potential. So I'm not super interested in Burning Stool.
0: No, I'm not interested in Burning Stool at all. Uh, he's very, very low in my rankings. I've been very, very low on him. Like he, He's thin, and he just doesn't – like. he does not have the frame, in my opinion, at all. Uh, to, to bulk to, uh, to the size he needs to be. I, I I don't see a kid there that, that is going to do anything. Um. So just to, I mean, and it, I think it's interesting to note that, you know, Dakari is not running with these guys at mm-hmm. all. I think we can start to, I don't know. We can start to fade him. I, I, I think heavily at this point, I, I wouldn't be clamoring to go get him. They've said Adam Randall has looked better than him. Um, so I, I think Dakari's days at Clemson are numbered. He will probably have to transfer out. Um, and then, yeah, some injuries, guys, just just some notable ones. We already mentioned a couple of these guys, uh, but Will Shipley and Kobe Pace are both out for spring as well. So look for maybe Phil Moffat to kind of try to carve out a role because um, he's really the only other guy on the roster. So, if he yeah, doesn't do it, they're <laughs> going to be in some trouble because when J. Dixon left. And, and yeah, they, so it, it's a thin room. They, they I can didn't see even Clemson bring being in some trouble this year if they don't if someone gets gets injured
1: they didn't even bring
0: anybody in in this class did they they tried to get Andrew Paul uh, mm. at the end of things they really really pushed really hard for him but I I don't believe they brought in a running back this year now
1: yeah I didn't think so either which is kind of surprising you know I mean they did bring in two guys last year in Mafa and Shipley um, but typically these big programs bring in one guy a year i mean even ohio state who has travion henderson who's you know going to dominate the backfield touches there um they brought in evan Pryor last year as well so uh, he's a guy that i think i like and i know you liked him as well i don't know what your thoughts are on him moving forward but even as even they brought in dallin hayden and you know we don't see anybody for anybody in this class who would have gotten touches over Travion. I mean, that's like one of the more established rooms in the country, but it's so it's kind of surprising that Clemson doesn't bring in anybody at all. Yeah, they
0: did bring in a super, super low three-star, but like this kid wasn't even in the top 100 in the composite. Like I, I haven't watched this kid. I so, but I mean, yeah, he, uh, he needless to say, he did not make the guide. <laughs> no, he he just missed out. He was like first four out. We're in, we're, we're in March madness season. Um, so his other offers were like Charlotte Air Force, uh, like his <laughs> offer list sucks when he went to Clemson. So, uh, best of luck to him there for sure. Um, all right. I think that's all we're going to talk about here with Clemson call. Let's, let's talk, uh, let's shift over to this draft. So we're going to spend the the bulk of this episode. Um, the campus to Canton crew, 12 of us, uh, all got together and decided, uh, for hashtag content purposes, that we would do an early off-season mock draft um, just to kind of, you know, see where everybody's at right now. And uh, so the, so the people who hopped in, Chris Moxley, uh, you, Matthew Bruning, myself, uh, Dwight Peebles, Alfred Fernandez, uh, Jared uh, Palmgren, Kevin Coleman, uh, Mike uh, Valerie, Corey Pereira, Felix Sharp, and PJ, no last name. <laughs> um, I actually do know PJ's last name But I will not share it with too. the crowd He likes the mystery We're not going to dox him No, so he, he likes to be the mystery man Behind the scene. Um, So the 12 of us all hopped in That was the draft order by the way Moxley picked first, PJ picked last We are 11 rounds into it basically Um, You're a dick You just sniped me on your last pick Um, But I wanted to just kind of ask you Some questions about how you feel this draft is going so far, and 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 I think a lot of it is basically gone according to what you would expect. Um, even with Corey thinking it was a Debbie draft for the first eight rounds.
1: Yeah, he uh, says that, but <laughs> I think his
0: draft is still good. Fine, yeah, uh, you know. And um,
1: honestly, for the first eight to ten rounds, anyway, I typically treat it more Debbie. Yeah. So, um, so let's let's um,
0: I have some questions for you here, Colin. But there's some general observations here too. We've talked a lot this offseason. I think the cutoff for the like the top-tier guys is eight. Do you agree with that? Uh, three running backs, three quarterbacks, and two wide receivers. Um, mm-hmm. B. John Robinson, Travion Henderson, Jameer Gibbs at running back, Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud at quarterback, Kayshaun Boutte, and J.S.N. at wide receiver. In no particular order, that just happens to kind of be the top eight. The only guys that mm-hmm. I think I've really seen mixing and matching into that group, uh, Quinn Ewers sometimes sneaks in. Uh, and Braylon Allen sometimes kind of sneaks in and then maybe Zach Evans, but those guys, I think it's, they're still kind of a step behind that eight. Would you agree with that? That's the, if you, if you can't get that pick eight and then maybe you're kind of trying to trade back a little bit because the value is going to be negligible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, at the eight spot, I would feel comfortable taking Quinn Ewers there. I would put Quinn Ewers at that eight spot. And then that would be kind of where my tier break is. Um But I understand that, you know, that's not every, or no, he would be in the nine spot. Um, So I put Quinn Ewers there and then that's where my tier tier break would be. But I understand the skepticism or the hesitancy behind Ewers. He hasn't even thrown a pass in college yet. So to put him up that highly, you know, understandable to to have some hesitancy on that one. Would not put Braylon Allen in that conversation. I like Zach Evans. I don't think I would put him in that conversation yet. but then beyond those guys it's it's kind of a cluster. so yeah I would I would start trying to trade back a little bit if I'm at the back end you know maybe pick up a couple extra picks here and there towards you know in rounds three, four five because uh, I still think you can get some really good value in that range. so there there are two other guys that I personally would put in that
0: tier and I, you know when I say this topic I think that just means like consensus seems mm-hmm. to have kind of dictated that's where the cutoff is. I, I would put Ewers and Evans in that category. Okay, I I think I t- we talked a lot about Quinn Ewers on the show, but I just really, really like him. I, I have a hard time believing he's not the guy that we think he is, and he's going mm-hmm. to Texas under like This is just like the perfect scenario. Like I have a really hard time seeing him f- outright fail at the very least, and I really do think he's going to thrive there um, at, at Texas with I think an underrated set of weapons mm-hmm. as well. And then Zach Evans – you know, miss me a little bit on the, the concerns about him. Obviously, you know, is he a little immature? Yeah, he probably is. But I think a lot of these kids are probably still immature. He's going to Ole Miss. Guys, I don't know if you've looked at Ole Miss' running back depth chart. Spoiler alert, it is – there's nothing there. Nothing. It's Evans and Judkins and, like, maybe one other kid there. And that's, like – it. like, it is, is Clemson-level thin – at running back, so Zach Evans should get a lot of run in an offense that has featured the the running back in the receiving game quite heavily over the past couple of years. So he's going to get the flash that well-rounded skill set. So I I think he's going to be a big-time producer this year. And then I think he goes second round, late second round. You know, a, a J.K. Dobbins-ish type value to the NFL when he comes out. So he's he's a guy that I you know I think he can squeeze into that tier. I, ha- I haven't quite decided for Debbie purposes, if I want to make him as like a tier one guy or a tier two guy. Um, obviously my final grades won't happen until the end of this season, presumably when he leaves school. Um, but, but yeah, I think the tier for me is really at 10, but consensus wise, you know, like the value between Zach Evans and Braylon Allen and Will Shipley, even who went pick 17. Like, I don't know how, how great that gap is. So I, I would feel comfortable exploiting that if somebody really wanted Evans or really wanted Ewers.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I would probably, I don't know if I would do it for yours. Yeah. Like there's, not not another, there's not another quarterback. There's really <laughs> I, not. I um, but I don't see that big of a difference between Evans and Shipley. And I was pretty shocked. Shipley fell to, uh, was it pick 17? Mm-hmm. Ke- yeah. Kevin got a steal on him on the way back around. Um, you know, if I had seen him keep falling and falling, I might have tried to make a move there, uh, if this was tradable. But so that one kind of surprised me. But I, yeah, I don't really see a huge drop off between those guys, and certainly not, you know, not eight picks, nine picks worth. So yeah, I think if you can if you can move back from an Evans to a Shipley and pick up another pick in there, I think that's a, a good move. <laughs>
0: So the award for least surprising moves of the draft go to the early tight end selections in the second round. Uh Jared at pick eighteen took Michael Mayer, and then Chris at, at Moxley at pick twenty four. Um, I guess should do we did we just assume everybody in the show list knows all these people? Should we like kind of give them? Should we round these people out? Sure, yeah, may okay. yeah, as well. So before we go, to, okay. So Chris Moxley, guys. Um, the first person we ever hired here at Campus to Canton worked his way up. He is now a, a partner with us here at Campus to Canton. Um, Colin, obviously, Matthew Bruning, uh, another founder of Campus to Canton, um, hosts multiple podcasts with us, runs a lot of our video content, uh, per, uh did a bunch of the guide write-ups. Uh, he's, I, th- I think everybody probably knows him. Myself, Dwight Peebles. Um, Dwight was probably the second or third person we hired at the mm. at the site. He does a lot of stuff behind the scenes. He does a lot of our editing work. Um, he basically chips in like wherever. Like he is the ultimate Swiss army knife. Uh, and we do love him for that. Alfred Fernandez, again, another founder of the site, a lot of DFS betting content out of him I host, the official, the new uh, YouTube recruiting show um, does a lot of our recruiting content now as well. Jared Palmgren, if you guys don't know, host of chasing the Natty, our new CFF show uh, on, on the network here. Um, he's CFS guy. He, he leads our CFF team over there. Um, and he is um Little baby faced guy, so um, but very, <laughs> hey, very tall. Don't make fun of the baby face. He, dor- he dwarfed me at the expo last year, and mm-hmm. that does not happen very often. Um, Kevin Coleman, I think everybody probably knows Kevin Coleman at this point. Um, everywhere, yeah. I don't know if he's still a fantasy pros or not, but he's got fired, hired a football guy, so big shout out to him. Um, part of our Debbie group, uh, Debbie Royale. Um, Triple play fantasy does a little bit of everything. Mike Valerie, one of our Debbie guys, um, he's been uh, hopping on Debbie debate recently and just wreaking absolute havoc. I'm glad that I'm out this month. I don't have to deal with him. Um, True wild card. Uh, (laughs) Corey Pereiro, recently hired as our Debbie lead Um, came over from breakout finder slash uh, Debbie dashboard. Uh, He's Canadian. Um, That's all I know about him, but you know, (laughs) really good guy really good great guy guy. loves his metal music um felix (laughs) sharp i think everybody knows him founder of campus to um bothers me on a daily basis and then pj um literally guys when i say this I, i i mean this sincerely sincerely there is nobody that does more drafts and is more knowledgeable about the ins and outs of any sort of draft you could do than pj he just knows how to navigate these so so well uh, and he runs all of our mocks as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the group that was in this draft. So just a, a very, very sharp group. So back to the the content here. Jared and Chris both went tight end early. Chris has been preaching the gospel of early tight end. I'm not, I don't believe it. Like I'm I'm super skeptical.
1: Um, for, you, C- yeah. F- for CFF, I get it.
0: I'm still skeptical of CFF. Like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, you're locking in points, and I guess there's a positional advantage.
1: Oh, it's not even so much that. It's that for CFF purposes, and then, you know, by transitive property here, also Debbie purposes, I just had no idea who these next guys are at tight end. Um, you know, we had a lot of these big producers from last year move on to the NFL. Cole Turner, Greg Dolchich, Trey McBride, Isaiah Likely those were all guys that you could pencil in solid production from those guys. And you felt good about it. I don't really have that list of guys this year. So, I mean, there's some guys like Gene Bell at South Carolina. We think we like him, but at the same time, Austin Stogner just came in there. So that kind of puts a damper on it. Michael Trigg coming from USC with Jackson dark to Ole miss. You know, I like that move. um, But at the same time, he hasn't really done anything. So, not necessarily proven Um, other guys on the list here. We have Jack Beck who lost his tight end eligibility. I believe on fan tracks.
0: I literally can't even think of a reason to roster Jack Beck anymore. Now that he's no longer a tight end, like Mm -hmm. wouldn't even consider I'm not ranking him in my tight ends right now. I'm like 35 deep and I don't have Jack Beck ranked.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you know, the other guys that you're looking at here, like Brant Keith, or I think that's how you say his name. You're doing great, sweetie. The guy from from Utah, you know, probably looking good production from him. Um, Gavin Bartholomew, your guy at Pitt, probably going to have some decent production there, but it's hard to say. Benjamin Urasek from Stanford, probably some decent production, but how much do we really want to invest in Stanford's offense? So there's just big question marks with everybody beyond those top two. So CFF purposes, I get it. Second round for a campus to Canton or a Debbie situation. It's it's too early for me. It's so rich. I
0: will, I will not be espousing the early tight end strategy on this show um, at all this year. Uh, We'll have Chris on to defend himself. So we're not just sitting here crapping (laughs) all over him. Uh, We will at least afford him that Um, we'll disagree at the end of the day. But so two tight ends early there, Colin, um, I'm trying to think of the next question to ask you. So, this draft actually really interesting. I think this is a sharper draft. Obviously, mm-hmm. so the board falls a little bit differently. This Marvin was Harrison, tough. Marvin Harrison Jr. went about uh, about ten picks earlier than he has been in this draft. Uh, maybe even a full round at least. Uh, he went pick 14 here. Felix took him. Um, that's the range he should go right, not
1: pick 32 or whatever he's currently going at yeah his current adp is too low i think there is an argument to be had that felix left some other value on the board i would take jermaine burton over harrison who went the next pick later i would take will shipley over him who went not too far after that you know there's a couple other guys you could make that argument but at the same time, I understand Felix's logic here. One, it's a guy that he's been hyping up f- for a while. So he will take him everywhere for, you know, in every draft uh, and make sure that he gets him. Um, but because he shoots from deep. Eh, but uh, I, if he waited on Marvin Harrison to try to get him in the third round, that wasn't happening. So, and he knew that. So he took him there for that reason. I'm sure. So I I understand the pick at that spot. So I spent all last offseason kind of saying this, and I think
0: you're gonna shit your pants when you see where I have uh, Marvin Harrison ranked in our rankings. That are that, uh, that I can pull when, them when up when the new update comes out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I spent all last offseason basically saying once a lot of these wide receivers. Get to their junior year, their draft eligible year. They're no longer really values in these mm-hmm. drafts, and I I felt strong more strongly about that last year because I didn't. Well, I don't really don't like this wide receiver class. Like, there's no like stud guy in this class, like perfect like perfect prospect. And we we have one and a half of them this year. I, Boutte is pretty much perfect in my eyes, and, and JSN isn't that far behind him. Um, but I spent all last time seeing saying like guy like Keijan Boutte is the value. Kejhan Boutte is the value. He was going like early second you could sit in these drafts and get Kayshaun Boutte at like the two the 203 which I did a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> last year I have a lot of Kayshawn Boutte as a result I think Marvin Harrison is that guy this year that if I you know I missed on that top tier running backs I, I don't get one of those quarterbacks then I really really like Marvin Harris like going what, basically exactly what Felix did I probably would have gone Will Shipley over Braylon Allen but running back and then Harrison at that turn or close to that turn feels like the optimal play to me because you're going to get a couple of years of really nice college production they're at big programs so they're probably going to get some decent draft capital they're good athletes and you're probably going to get some NFL value out of them mm-hmm. so like that value at those picks is awesome this year
1: again again mm-hmm. well that's one of the benefits of being later on in the draft there you know you're not getting that top tier guy, like a Travion, like a Caleb Williams, you know, you're not getting that guy, but you're getting two really solid players at that spot. And I would just say Caleb Williams is a very volatile
0: player. You might yes. get him there. I've seen him fall a couple times. It's not like doesn't happen all the time. But if one of those quarterbacks is going to fall, it's usually him.
1: Fair enough. Um, I was just looking at the sheet and using him as an example there. But you know, you're the guy that you're gonna get at the second round if you pick later there, uh if you do it right, like if, if you did it with keishan bute last year, um, even if you did it, I mean JSN, that would have been kind of early taking him last year. But you know, if you do that with somebody like that, you know, you're gonna recoup a lot of value there. You know, that's a fantastic spot to be. So the beautiful thing about a C2C draft is no matter where you are, you, you know, if you play the draft, right, you can, you can really crush your draft.
0: So JSN was a similar thing last year. He was going early third and he okay. should have been going higher. And yes. I, I just feel like Marvin Harrison is that guy this year. And it's not, it's a very easy projection because, you know, it's same team mm-hmm. and, you know, same quarterback. Uh, we, we really like that situation. All right. So anything else in the second round step out stand out to you? The one thing that I will, I saw so I took Caleb Williams in the first round at pick four. And then I took Quentin Johnston on the way back around. I Quentin Johnston seems like a really good value there. Yes. To me as well. Um, uh, uh, like the, the potential at that point, like, I don't think there's a guy that has a higher ceiling at wide receiver than him that goes after that.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. Um, for the most part, um, I think that there are a couple of guys that could have a high ceiling that go after him. You know, like if Ja'Cory Brooks hits at Alabama, I think that, that there's a high ceiling there. Um, you know, depending on what happens with Luther Burden, I think there could potentially be a higher ceiling there, but the list is very limited. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so end of the third round here, Colin. We do
0: have some... Let's call, let The first freshman came off the board at pick 22 at the 210. Matt Bruning took Nicholas Singleton, running back, Penn State, um, which ties right into, you know, we've got two or three guys right at the very top of all of our combined rankings, and Singleton is one of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want Singleton guys, pay up. That That's the round he's going in.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I... As a result, probably will not end up with a ton of him. I don't see him as a Travion level prospect, you know, and then by the time, you know, the summer rolled around, Travion was going at the back half of the first. So largely the community agrees um, that Singleton isn't quite the prospect that Travion is. I felt very, very safe about Travion taking him before he even stepped on a field. I feel very good about singleton but i do still have enough question marks that i'm probably not going to take him in that range and as much as that sucks that i'm probably going to miss out on him and i may end up regretting that decision later i do the first couple rounds tend to just play it a little bit safer
0: feels like he's pretty insulated on value though unless he plays like the whole year and looks just like absolute crap like it feels like he'll probably go at worst in that same range next year
1: um most likely most likely I do so I do think he has the insulated value Mm -hmm. um you know there's obviously the possibility that you know they're bringing in Katron Allen and I know you don't like Katron Allen I know a lot of other people at the site don't like Katron Allen I do like Katron Allen I think he's solid um you know so and I think he's more refined as a running back in terms of his vision and processing than singleton is so there is a non-zero chance that those two you know that the Catron allen looks good this year as well um and they end up those two end up splitting carries more than we initially thought for the remainder of their career at penn state Uh, i don't necessarily know how high that is but it's definitely a non-zero chance so if that happens i think his value drops a little bit it maybe drops a round or two but not far it's mostly insulated and so that's a, not a great I don't like I, said, I don't think the odds of that happening are super high so here's my first um uh if
0: if I had like a little blue you know bright light that's flashing right now uh for our first kind of value identification Drew Aller went pick 25 to Chris Moxley. Chris Moxley is very much on the draft five-star quarterbacks early and often train, um, which was evident by his draft strategy here cuz he ends up with Aller, Devin Brown and Connor Weigman. But here's he, the here's the value opportunity guys. Drew Aller went pick 25 in this draft. Devin Brown went pick 49. Went two mm-hmm. full rounds after Drew Aller. That should never happen. So either Drew is going too early, which I think is true, and, or Devin Brown is going too late, which I think is also true. Those two should probably meet in the middle here at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. Devin Brown, a guy that I have ranked higher, but regardless, even if I didn't, they should be closer together. And Kate Klubnik went pick 60. There's no mm-hmm. reason why Alder should be 25 and Klubnik should be 60 based on what we know so far.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think Devin Brown, um, I should have taken Devin Brown where I sh- where I took uh, Zach Charbonnet. That is that is yep. probably my biggest regret in this draft right now. Um, I also didn't expect Chris Moxley to, in his uh, eleven picks, take one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight freshmen. It should not surprise you at all based on his new strategy that he's employing. Uh, I must have missed that strategy memo somewhere. Um, he's all about locking in as much upside as he can in the first like 10 to 12 rounds. I know he has, I mean, that does make a lot of sense. Cause I know he has said that C2C drafters traditionally uh, don't draft CFF producers all that well. Uh, and he it does have the CFF background. So he, I'm sure he feels confident yeah. in his ability in the late rounds to hit on some big time CFF producers that are under the radar, like his guy at Memphis ivory, um, you know he's mentioned a couple other guys um so it doesn't necessarily surprise me i just missed that memo somewhere along the line so i did think i was going to be able to get devin brown two picks after i took charbonnet where i ended up taking mcmillan so that little stretch that charbonnet mcmillan range there is where i panicked a little bit um and i i do kind of regret that not taking devin brown there yeah Um, so so there, there's just a little nugget there, guys, if you're drafting.
0: But yes, Devin Um,
1: Brown is a massive value. And in in pretty much most of these drafts that I have done, I have taken him in the fifth, sixth round and been ecstatic about it. So
0: um it's interesting. You once you get into third and fourth rounds here, um the fourth and fifth well, in a lot of drafts. And again, this was a little bit of a sharper draft, but the fourth, fifth round for wide receiver tends to be a really lucrative spot this year. Um, so where some of these guys went in this draft versus, you know, generally where I think they would probably go if you're, if you were to do a draft today here, Colin. Um, and of course you, you'll know who took some of these guys. <laughs> um, Mario Williams went to pick 35 uh, wide receiver there at USC. And, um, Overall, he's going uh, as wide receiver 15 for us. And I think that's about where he went here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He went at wide receiver 11. So pretty close to that. JoJo Earl went right after that, pick 36. Pick 37 was Corey Books. Pick 38 was Parker Washington. So at the turn there four really good wide receivers. Then after those guys though, in the same round, Lorenzo Styles went pick 40. Marvin Mims pick 44, Bo Collins, 45, Luther Burden, 46. And then Colin, I'll toss you a bone, and I'll give you Jalen McMillan <laughs> at 50. A pick that you made, uh, fifth round, uh, second, uh, the 502 there. So I mean that that's a pretty nice spot for wide receiver. And I think it really lends itself to hitting running back early if you can. Mm-hmm. That 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 feels uh, that was my play last year. That feels like it's probably the play again this year.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I think that's the play again this year because you can get some really good running backs in the first two rounds, maybe. Branson the
0: Robinson went pick thirty-one in this. Like, you can hold out and get some really, like, you can get some really nice running backs in this first these first three rounds, and they last mm-hmm. for a long time.
1: Yes, in the first three rounds, you can, yeah. but once it hits that that cluster in round four through, even as you hit into round like eight, nine, 10, I don't love the running backs in that range. So I want to pound running back early. That's exactly what I did in this draft. I went Henderson and then I took Donovan Edwards in the third, um, which I loved that, you know, then I took Charbonnet, like I mentioned. um, But so yeah, like hammering running back early and then filling it in with some some of these wide receivers is, I think, the move this year.
0: So I'm going to just quickly mention some of these running backs, Colin, because I think the running backs lasted a little longer and you're giving them credit for. But, I mean, they're, they're those guys are not without some questions. So the third round running backs that went in this draft, guys, well, second into third. So second round running backs, Will Shipley went pick 17, Tank Bigsby 19, Sean Tucker 20, Nicholas Singleton 22. And the third round, we had Donovan Edwards, pick 26. Jaden Blue, 28. LJ Johnson, 29. Uh, running back at Texas A&M. Branson Robinson, uh, aforementioned, 31. Raheem Sanders, the second-year running back at Arkansas, went pick 34. Devin Neal, pick 39. Rasheen Ali, I don't really like that pick a lot, but it's, uh, Jared's more of a CFF background, so I get it. At pick 42. Jace McClellan, pick 43. And then Travante Citizen at pick 48. Zach Charbonnet was a reach. I'm sorry, Colin.
1: No, nope, no need to um, apologize.
0: Um, I, I fully recognize that. But that like that citizen for me is kind of the cutoff here. Yeah. So wherever a citizen goes, assuming that somebody just doesn't have like an outrageous reach for him, like he's kind of the cutoff here, at mm-hmm. least how boards have been shaking out so far. And I have citizen ranked higher, Matt, for the record. I'd probably take him over LJ Johnson, Raheem Sanders, Devin Neal. Jason McClellan, I would take him over all those guys, personally.
1: Um, All of them except for um, Sanders. I would take Sanders. I Because, I mean, not to get too far off on a tangent there, but with Sanders, you know, a, a lot of people are like, you know, Arkansas rotates the running back room. And they did. They did a lot last year. But Traylon Smith's gone. I do think this is going to be a 1-2 room. I think it's going to be Sanders and A.J. Green. No, you're missing somebody. Who am I missing? Um, oh, that big boy. Mm, Dominic sure. Johnson. Dominic Johnson. Dominic Johnson. Okay, it's, he'll get some. He'll get some work, but I don't.
0: Be, it'll probably be Johnson and Sanders get like forty percent of the work each, and then Green gets twenty percent.
1: Mm, I, I, mean, I we'll guess. S- we'll see how it shakes out. But I, I Johnson think same...
0: got. So Raheem Sanders last year in 13 games had 114 carries. Mm-hmm. Dominique Johnson last year in 13 games had 97 carries, and his share increased as the year went on. I think you're underselling our our, our guy Dominique Johnson here. Maybe six one two thirty five. Big boy stand up.
1: Six one two thirty five. What's Sanders? Six one 2- two twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah, that sounds right. Faster catches the ball better. I mean, Sanders is just a very dynamic weapon. Eleven catches and seven catches. I mean, he might catch the ball better. Are they using
0: him to his full potential? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, we'll see. I'm just saying, Sanders is obviously the better player. Mm-hmm. Does he get as much work? I, not, I don't know.
1: I feel pretty good about the workload he's going to get, and I like this Debbie potential a lot. So I would take him over Citizen, um, but. I would take citizen over McClellan and Neil. Gotcha. All right.
0: So um, are there, any, I guess, Colin, you know, I gave you like four prompt questions before we started the night here. And I guess this is as good a time as any to kind of jump into them here. Um, question number one for you, Colin, the best pick so far in terms of value. And you can't say anyone
1: that you made, not that you would be able to, but. Uh, Oof.
0: Boom. Hey,
1: um, i mean just as a retort to that i think donovan edwards was very was was a nice pick um i, I agree with that yeah <laughs> i think andrew paul in the 11th was also good um but since i cannot pick uh any of my guys um normally my answer to these best values best picks in drafts um is some of these freshman quarterbacks they did get moved up the boards a little bit here in this draft. Um, so I, I can't really say that about any of these guys in this one. Um, so I'll probably. I mean, that's it's it's, it's pretty tough here, honestly. Um, hmm. Scrolling through. You're doing great
0: for a for you know a podcast medium here Mm -hmm. where the people kind of just want this information quickly you're
1: Mm -hmm. you're really knocking out of the park here thanks thanks i i thought so as well um man it's tough to say the best value pick i still think maybe Devin brown overall is is a really good pickup in that range so uh, i'll go with him but this is a really sharp draft This is pretty much where a lot of these guys that I would expect them to go.
0: So it's really interesting. And actually, like, I think so. We can't say our own pick, so I'm not going to say my own here. But I think just to to, so I took Shaz Preston pick 76. I took Jaden Reed pick 117. I like I think if you flipped those values, that probably should be where those two go. Do you, would you disagree? Like I think Jaden Reed should be going earlier than what he's going right now. Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely agree. Like with I, that. I, I, I like I like I feel like I probably reached on Shaz Preston, but then I got Reed for, for three rounds later. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. like I, I can uh, I can live with that. Um, so that's just like one uh, Jaden Reed in particular is kind of guy that's standing out to me this early in the offseason. But we can't say somebody that we took on our own. Um, so how about how about this is Phil Jerkovic? I'm personally not a huge. Jerky fan, but I think he has as good of a chance as anybody to end up as kind of the QB three in this year's class after Stroud and Young, and he's going. He went pick one eleven here, so round ten, pick three over to ten oh three. That's really really good value if he can kind of develop into that. I know last year he had a down year, but he was pretty good before he got that hand injury, and they brought him back way too quick. Like he yes. was not ready and. For a team that wasn't competing for anything, I don't know why they did that. Maybe he was pushing to come back. But Djurkovic at pick 111 there. Shout out to Corey Pereira. He's the one who took him. I think that is a really nice value pick. Even if he's not a guy that I really like very much, potential to really um, be worth a lot more than that at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would honestly I would agree with that. And then I would say the person who was picked um, right after him Dylan Gabriel uh, is also another great yeah, value there on arm yeah. in the 10th round. Great value. I think he's going to have a really nice year this year in Jeff Levy's offense at Oklahoma. And then I think that that's going to help raise his draft stock. You know, you're talking about who could be QB three in this class would not surprise me if the NFL liked a lot of the early production of him in his career. And then liked that, he followed it up with a successful year at a blue blood school like Oklahoma. Is would not surprise me. Is he significantly better than Bailey Zappi
0: um, or Jay no. Kaner?
1: No, I don't think so. But I think no. if he does it at Oklahoma, I think that's going to matter to the NFL. I, I, those arm concerns are big to me. Like I just think this guy has no arm
0: whatsoever. Um, it's, it's. I don't think it's NFL quality. But, um, all right. I so, think here's a, so here's borderline. So here's the next question for you, Colin. The worst pick so far. And <laughs> you can't pick your opposite co-host team at all. So, I would never. To block us from just, you know, taking needless shots at each other, which we obviously would never do. I um, would
1: never. A pick that you think is just really bad value. Well, in again, in a draft like this with, with all sharps, um, DJU, did not come off the board. So we can't cherry pick that one. That's crazy, um, isn't it? Ju- yeah. Ju- DJ Ud in 11 in 10 full rounds did not come off the board. Um, Julian Fleming, Damon Damas, although demand Damas' stocks, probably going to start falling as you get yeah he's as, with the, yeah, with the news that came out. Um, but, you know, so some of these guys who were higher up on the list, um, Diamante Tram would be a terrible pick now that he's moved a linebacker. So yeah, No one no one made the sucker picks. <laughs> yeah, nobody made those easy cherry pick worst picks here. Um, so it, it does make it a lot harder. I don't love Mo Ibrahim in the ninth there where he was taken. Uh, I think that he's probably not going to get the workload that we thought, or, you know, that he saw two years ago. And that he saw at the beginning of the year last year till he got hurt because the other guys on that roster, uh, Bucky Irving and Trayson Potts, proved that they can handle that workload, too. You know, they played very well. And I think those guys are going to earn some snaps. So I don't I think the days of Mo Ibrahim being this dominant bell cow, this two hundred and fifty touches, I don't have it pulled up here, but two hundred and fifty touch bell cow. I think those days are gone and I don't see a lot of NFL value for him either. So that's probably a little bit earlier than I would have taken Mo Ibrahim.
0: It's much earlier than I would have taken him as well. I was a little surprised he went the other one that really stands out to me. There's a couple actually here in that range. Uh, I think we can't pick out a a, a co-host one, or I would have said Andrew Paul went way too early. Um, But I think actually all the running backs in that round were really bad picks. Eric Gray, pick 118 that Matt took. Um, could he produce this year at Oklahoma? Maybe, but I think he's just absolutely crapped the bed. Like, I think his draft stock is probably really, really hurt. Do you think he's going to show up infinitely bigger than Kyron Williams just did? I don't think so. No. Uh, I think he'll show up a little bit bigger, but but not very much. I think Jalen Berger's a really bad pick because I don't think he's any, he's guaranteed at all to take the Michigan State job. And I think Brandon Thomas is a really bad pick who went in that round as well simply because we don't know we have zero news on him at all right now with his injury and even if we assumed he was 100 healthy i think them bringing ducker in signals that there's going to be some sort of uh, sharing of the backfield um so those those three stand out to me and again not to uh not to disparage anybody that took any of those guys but um the, none of those picks are guys that i would take uh in that particular range all right colin which team do you like the most so far? And then just mean, you know, when you pick the team just kind of really quick say what players they took and maybe, you know,
1: and in 500 words or less why you like them the most. Um, there's elements that I like on a lot of teams, and obviously we're going to preface this by I can't say my team, you can't say your team, I'm assuming. Correct.
0: Not okay. that my my team is not my the favorite team in this for me. Mine isn't. So. Mine isn't
1: either. Actually, <laughs> no risk of that. <laughs> yeah, mine actually is is not my favorite team on here either. Um, I I think probably PJ's team is my favorite now. Mm-hmm. PJ is the one who just took Mohamed Ibrahim, um, and you know, so I don't love that, and I don't love that. Hey, list of picks. Okay. So PJ went uh, first round. He picked the last pick. So he picked at the turn. He went Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy. Then he took Jojo Earl, Ja'Cory Brooks, Cade Klubnik, Troy Franklin, A.T. Perry, Kendry Miller, Mo Ibrahim, and Cedric Tillman. Um, I think, first of all, the Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy stack, money. Love Jojo Earl. I like Ja'Cory Brooks a lot. Cade Klubnik. Going at pick sixty, that's a fantastic value. Um, Troy Franklin is a guy that we liked a lot last year too. I like his skill set a lot. I don't know how much he's going to produce in college at, at, at Oregon, but um, skill set for the NFL I like. At Perry, Cedric Tillman are going to be two guys who probably put up wide receiver one seasons this year uh, for CFF. I don't know how much NFL potential they have. You know, we'll we'll see. Um, they probably will both get drafted but i think late probably they're they're day three guys for sure probably like round six ish um and then kendry miller is a guy that i like too mo ibrahim didn't love that pick there so overall i love the talent on that team i just i wish there was another running back in there but yeah and running back's the easiest
0: position to pick up in terms of production so right um if that's the the weak point um, so I have a couple, I mean, PJ is probably my favorite as well, but there are a couple other teams that I, that I do like. Um, Moxley's is intriguing. Yeah. His um, is the all upside team for sure. Uh, but let, I want to go with Felix. I'm going to go with Felix surprise, surprise. Who The guy that I never agree with on anything, but here's where he's gone so far. We already talked about his first two picks where he went, he was picked uh, 11 initially and he went Braylon Allen, Marvin Harrison, jr. Came back with Mario Williams, Parker Washington, Blake Corum, Chris Tyree. Kind of went a little bit undersized receiving backs there. Deion Smith, pick 83, I think is really intriguing. We'll see where he ends up. He's still in the portal. Does he make it to Ole Miss? Does he stay at LSU? Who really knows? Ty Simpson, five-star quarterback going to Alabama at pick 86, is really, really, really good value. I almost picked that out as kind of my best value pick in the whole thing. Eric Gilbert is the only pick that I'm like, oh, no, baby, what is you doing? Like (laughs) just flushing a pick down the toilet. I wouldn't don't do this. Anybody listening to this show, never, ever make that pick ever. Do not do that. Um, Eric Gilbert pick 107. So if I could change one pick of his, I would I I would change that one 100 percent. And then he went Corey Rucker, the pick after who actually just went to the transfer portal today. We'll see. We'll see where he ends up. Uh, he was at Arkansas State, but I think he's got a little bit of NFL upside. Like I think he's going P five, mm-hmm. um, so um, I, I like that that group overall. Obviously, a little bit of risk with Deion Smith um, and Eric Gilbert is just like, <laughs> but overall, like I, I like that squad a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I like that squad too. Um, like Ty Simpson was one was another guy that I was looking at picking out as one of my favorite values there as well. Five-star quarterback going to Alabama, taking that late. Bryce Young is going to be off to the NFL. Um, So, you know, he's, and and a lot of the top quarterbacks in next year's class are, you know, Malachi Nelson pretty much locked in at USC. Arch Manning, I have not heard that he's considering Alabama. Um, If I had to guess, I think he ends up at Texas. That's, I think there's a decent chance of that one. Um, But, I have not heard that he's considering Alabama. So it was like the top two guys in next year's class too. So I don't know if the Ty Simpson even necessarily gets recruited over biggest worry would potentially be some sort of a transfer, I think. Um, But you know, you you can't necessarily play scared like that, you know? So I I love that pick a lot, but like you said, Eric Gilbert, big question mark on that one. Um, Dion Smith. I didn't love that pick either. Um, he was in the portal. I think he's back out of it at LSU now.
0: I think he's still in. He's trying to qualify at lms Miss, but he like academically okay. is really struggling to do that, which is really embarrassing if you can't yeah. academically qualify at Ole Miss. But that's beside the point.
1: Yeah. So don't love that pick there either. Um, but yeah, the rest of the draft I liked.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, if you want to see this whole draft, I'm going to retweet it out here. I already have the tweet scheduled for the morning, so you guys can go ahead and check out the board. Uh, see if your favorite player has gone yet, uh, and if they haven't, they probably stink. Sorry. Um, all right, Colin. Freshman profiles. We each picked a player here again tonight. You've got a quarterback. I've got a wide receiver. You've got
1: the 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 thick boy, the Matt Corral, uh, Sam How thick boy <laughs> of the draft. Got that booty. Yes, Gunner Stockton, uh, four star QB, number seven in the class, um, from Georgia, going to Georgia. Six one two twenty, he said. He's a he's a thick boy for sure. Um, he broke essentially all of Georgia's state passing records that were previously held by Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. So who you know never yeah. heard of either of them. <laughs> so good company to be in. Now he did it at not quite the same level of competition. Uh, I believe his level of competition was a little bit lower, but. Still impressive, nonetheless. Um, as a prospect, he has very nice arm strength. puts a ton of zip on the balls. He on the ball, he can make all of the throws. Um, he is a gunslinger. You know, I think he he's not afraid to to fire the ball in there. He's not afraid to challenge windows. Let his wide receivers make a play. Um, I think he'll need to rein that in maybe a little bit. At the next level but i would prefer to have a quarterback who's too aggressive and rein it in than one who's too conservative and try and push them outside their comfort zone that doesn't typically work that way very well um he has a good feel for the rush he avoids the uh, the rush well breaks contain keeps his eyes downfield i think he's a good athlete he's a threat to pick up chunks of yards with his legs uh, he's not somebody that you'll design too many runs for but he does have the frame where he could take some hits so you could do it if you needed to I think he moves through his progressions pretty well for a high school kid. He doesn't just lock into the first option and then bail. Uh, He throws well on the move, throws very well from various different arm angles, does not lose strength or accuracy on it. Uh, He's he's got good lower body mechanics too. He's got good footwork, um, quiet feet in the pocket, but he's not flat-footed. Throws from a solid base. uh, He squares up before he throws. and I think he can operate well inside and outside of structure. Uh, he does show flashes of touch and varying his speed, but he does rely on the fastball too often. I think at times he needs to uh, vary that up a little bit more consistently. He has a quick release, but the windup can be a bit funky at times. Um, so I don't know how much they'll want to play with that at the next level, but I think that could be refined and that could help out with his his consistency with his ball placement as well. I think um, you know I think that that will help with the accuracy. They say that. You know, the, the arm strength, uh, you know, comes from the legs, and then the accuracy comes from uh, the upper body. So, the funky release, if you tweak that up, you could help with the accuracy concerns. Overall, though, he has all the tools you're looking for in a modern quarterback. I think he's an NFL caliber quarterback. Uh, I think he is going to be the next guy up after the GOAT, Stetson Bennett at Georgia. Uh, you know, I don't see Brock Vandergrift challenging him. Don't think that they're going to recruit over him. So I think he's going to be the next guy there at Georgia.
0: Um, I'm super hesitant. I wrote him up for the guide. Um, I'm just really scared of Kirby Smart just having a zero. I, it, like, he has no clue on quarterback or talent evaluation. He has no clue on development at all. Um, it's honestly pretty crazy. Um, I mean, they yeah, won a national championship does... this year, and they literally, as the combine showed us, had – probably the most athletic defense of all time. And they like barely won. Like that's what it took to drag that offense, kicking and screaming to a national championship in a year when there was no other great team.
1: Yeah. Like Yeah. I, I agree. I, Kirby smart does worry me. Um, I, I would be lying if I said that that's not a concern.
0: But yeah, I mean, I like him. I think um, you're pretty generous about him keeping his eyes downfield. He really struggled with that in the all American game. Um, Like he was really, really bad with it. This write-up was before the All-American game. Maybe update your shit, Colin. It's fair. No. So I I think he's going to have some issues, but I do really like him. I think, you know, Matt Corral is certainly the range of outcomes there. Um, So I picked Alan Shetron here tonight. I'm surprised I hadn't talked about him already. was one of my first kind of crushes here in this draft. Six – or, yeah, in this draft, in this class. He's 6'3", he's 185. Uh, He is headed to Oklahoma State, four-star recruit, uh, according to the composite. He's my wide receiver, five, currently. Um, So why do I like Alan Shetron? He's a really good athlete for his size. Very nice initial burst, first step off the line. He doesn't have a ton of releases yet, but he's just been so explosive, and I think he can work on that, that part of his game. Very quick feet for his size. He's elusive after the catch for a bigger guy. Like I, everything he does, like I wrote, like he's really explosive for a bigger guy. He's very got very quick feet for a bigger guy. He's a really good athlete for a bigger guy. Like just everything was like like you would think he's at two inches and and ten pounds lighter or whatever by by how quick he is. Um, really strong at the catch point. You know he'll go up and and win win some things. And I think for a lot of these guys, you know if it's not just like an obvious you know top tier amazing, amazing talent. Shetron's just below that level, but I like him going to Oklahoma State because he's the perfect wide receiver for what they want on the boundary there. They always kind of want that that guy that can win vertically, that can go up and get the ball, make the quarterback's job a lot easier. I think he can really, really do that there. I would not shock me at all if he gets some decent playing time as a freshman. Their wide receiver cores is Brennan Presley. It's uh, it's Jaden Bray. There's a very big question mark at the other wide receiver position with no more K. Martin. Um, so I think Shetron can go in there, be a quarterback's best friend, kind of offer something that none of the other guys there really do, uh, and, and be a really, really good player there for them. So I, I I would expect some early playing time for him. I would expect him to go in the second or third round of your freshman drafts this year. So if, if you're looking to target him, that's probably the range you're going to take him in. Uh, and that's all I've got. Do you have anything to add on Shetron, Colin?
1: No, I like Shetron too. Uh, for all the reasons that you said there but I also I think he is very much the perfect wide receiver for Oklahoma State's system and Oklahoma State tends to have one wide receiver you know prior to last year Oklahoma State tends to have one wide receiver that puts up a lot of production at the college level you know it was Tylen Wallace it was James Washington and I think that Tylen Shetron could be the next guy there so at worst case scenario I think year 2 you're looking at a, a high-end college producer. Even last year, Tay Martin, especially down the stretch, put up a ton of points every week. That's true. Um, down the stretch, off, he did. Yeah. It, it's, they struggled off early at the, early of the season. Yeah.
0: And Chetron that. right now is going, his ADP is
1: 23.7.
0: So 24th fourth overall at that 1-2 turn. That's probably where he's going, wide receiver 6 uh, uh, for us right now. All right, guys, that is going to do it uh, for us here tonight. Be sure to be on the lookout for everything that we have podcast wise at campus can't we've really been beating this drum lately but we have a lot of really good shows right now mondays can't uh chasing the natty with jared tuesdays us always campus life here wednesdays we have the live show Debbie debate at nine thirty p.m eastern standard time and then the podcast comes out right after it's the same exact show on thursdays we have uh thursdays fridays we have canton bound and our new show future freshmen Uh, starring Brandon Sanders at CFF University, uh, where he looks at the incoming freshman class through the lens of kind of CFF dynasty production. Um, So definitely uh, a good show uh, for those kinds of things. YouTube guys every day, College Football Filtered with Chris Moxley early in the morning, 7.30-ish a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the official, our new data-driven recruiting show every week, Thursday, Alfred, David, Matt, go live. Well, no, they don't go live, but bring you about an hour. And they've just been really digging into this class and future classes, past classes, kind of giving you a perspective on what we should be looking for uh, as we're evaluating freshmen. So really, really good groundbreaking stuff there. Guys, Three fourteen. we have an announcement. Don't give it away. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. You're going to want to be around on 314.
1: Turn those notifications on.
0: Uh I, I, I would go ahead and do that for sure. Follow us on Twitter at Campus to Canton on YouTube. Again, Campus to Canton. Give us a sub over there. Give us a rate and review on any of the podcasts over on the podcast channel, guys. Until later in the week, though, guys, with Canton Bound, I am Austin.
1: And this is Colin. Have a good one.